0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax. As my lovely bride insists, I say but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for those willing to question what they think they know or what they may believe, those willing to be uncertain for an hour. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. Have you guys got conversation going on in there already, dear?
1: We are chatting away in there. We absolutely are. Um, yep, it's the front end of the show where everyone's having their meet and greet again. So if you can come join us, that is ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. You will make some new friends and uh, learn some extra aspects, absolutely.
0: Learn some extra aspects. Are you saying aspects that of the show? the show's anemic? Do they have to be in the chat room in order to get the...
1: No, of course not. I would never say such a thing. (laughs) But there is always more to learn. I'm always learning stuff from the people in the chat room. And it it does. You get different perspectives. So you look at the same thing from a different angle. So, yeah.
0: You do indeed. I read the chat log every week. All right. In this week's spotlight, I wish to shine some light on the notion of self-responsibility. For me, self-responsibility... Means taking responsibility for everything in your life. Even those events or people that do not in any way seem to be your problem or responsibility. Often the people who most antagonize us are the ones who need most to teach us what we want to learn. My mother used to say, Birds of a feather flock together. Call it that or call it simple attraction. Anger attracts anger, hostility attracts hostility, love attracts love, and so forth. The fact is, what we resist, we often become. When we see something in someone we do not like, we need to be careful, for often they are mirrors of ourselves. What we dislike in them is likely to be a behavior of our own. When we are alert to this, it's quite easy to do something remarkable something that truly changes your own reality. Let me digress a minute and share a story with you from my book, Choices and Illusions. When I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada, my local post office was always jammed with patrons who were impatient and could tend to be a bit hostile. And I'm not proud of this, but at that time I was coming off a career in criminalistics and I suppose I was like all the other patrons, all right? Well, everyone was in a hurry, and the clerks were absolutely rude. Many times heated arguments erupted between patrons and staff. I decided to try a little experiment. What would happen if I just smiled? You know, brought some humor to the place. Imagine that everybody was happy. They you have know, filled it with light, if you will. So every day, for at least two weeks, when I stopped to pick up my mail, I did my best to focus this energy on everyone. One day, the oldest and grouchiest of the postal clerks, whose line I was cued in, looked up and said, hello, Dr. Taylor. There was a smile on his face and in his voice. From that day forward, every clerk in the office spoke and smiled, laughed, and joked with me. Everything changed. They were still snippy with other patrons for a while, but the smile and the mood caught on. It all paid off somehow, unconsciously. Even they identified with me, and warmth or love or whatever you would like to call it spread in this post office among all. Within a few months, the post offices and employees were just as warm and friendly with everyone as any that I have ever visited. It is amazing what a little unconditional giving can do. It's also amazing how one person can have that kind of an influence on so many. We are all capable of coaching or cheering on our friends and family, but when it comes to strangers particularly those we think of as rude it is often another matter it doesn't have to be this is just another way to do good deeds my thoughts anyway what are yours ravinder
1: you know i really like that story you know your story about the post office and you told me that story you know quite some time ago (laughs) And I actually put it into practice once. If you remember, I had to see a specialist dentist. It was a specialist dentist that you had been to and highly recommended. And he's got qualifications out of the wazoo. I mean, he was just just absolute top of the game. And I had a serious issue. And so I wanted the best. I was scared stiff about, yeah, never mind, losing all my teeth, so what? Um, but... He, I mean, he was very smart, but he came across as so cold, so, so stern. He totally intimidated me. (laughs) This happened, I mean, how long ago was this? This was about seven years ago. So it's not like I was a kid at the time, but he could totally and absolutely intimidate me. So I talked to you about it a little bit and then I tried. I thought, okay, let me try the same type of thing. So I went in and I ignored everything that I saw the cold, the stern, the, I don't know, angry, whatever, the big scary headmaster type approach. I ignored all of that. I consciously blocked that out and I put a smile on my face. And I, you know, I spoke to him like he was the friendliest guy going. Took one or two attempts and that was all. And his stuff had broken down. And what I actually learned from that was... He wasn't stern and nasty and horrible. He was really shy.
0: Timid and shy.
1: Shy and timid and insecure, but he came across, you know, this whole other way. And so that just highlights again, you know, um, be the person that you want to be. Don't, I mean, what you're seeing isn't necessarily the way you're interpreting it at all. And your life experience can change if you just give everyone the benefit.
0: The world is full of people, especially in public, who are compensating for something, some form of insecurity, some trauma, some something. And when we look past that, as you say, and instead, you know, we try to generate that sense of compassion and love and acceptance, and and a big smile does it better than anything, the world changes for us, and so do the people around us.
1: does, absolutely.
0: All right. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our show featured Robin Drake, and we spoke about his work in excellent book, The Code of Trust. Jan wrote, I loved your conversation with Robin. He seemed like the kind of person that truly recognizes the importance of others, something I would like to do more of. Beth wrote, seeking to understand why someone has their opinions will teach you a lot. Even if the other person is wrong, understanding how they came to their conclusion adds to the information you have regarding your own opinion. Alan wrote, so true, the masses are being moved by emotions and they really are not thinking through many situations. Mike wrote, thank you for the fantastic interview. Robin Drake was an absolute delight, so accomplished, yet so humble. He seems like a man of true integrity and truth, the likes of which is rarely found. The interview could have gone on for three hours easily. He is a man very worth worthy of further study. Totally agree with you, Mike. Enjoyed him very much. Okay, moving on. Gary wrote, I really enjoy your work and blogs. Well, thank you, Gary. And by the way, for all of you, You can subscribe to my blog, it's free, by simply going to Eldon Taylor, that's E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R dot com. Shelley wrote, thank you for your positive newsletter and book references. I'm always looking for a good book. We do a lot of reading around here, don't we?
1: We do. We do. There's not enough hours in the day.
0: Two, three books a week. How many do you get?
1: Oh, I don't do that much. Um, I pick the best of the best of whatever you are reading, and then I like to take it <laughs> a little do. bit more slowly. But.
0: Yeah, you do, but you, you, you'll you, take two or three books, and you'll read the best of one, and the best of the other, and the oh, best no, of no. all three at the same time.
1: No, no, I'm good. I, I will work my way through. I'm working my way through right now, but I've got several other books that I want to get to, so...
0: You're reading Sapiens now, right?
1: I am reading Sapiens right now, and behind that comes Fantasyland.
0: Have you got the author coming to the show?
1: Not yet. I'm working on it, but, uh, yeah, if anyone else has got some juice out there, you know, I'm talking to them. I'm just trying to fit it into the schedule. It's challenging.
0: All right. Moving on. John wrote, I'm a disabled veteran who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, InterTalk has been very helpful for me in the process of dealing with my traumatic experiences. Thank you. Thank you for your service, John. Gabriel wrote this about my book, Choices and Illusions. Gotta love Eldon Taylor, straight talking, full of common sense and funny stories, all laced with a loving and respectful philosophy. This thought-provoking and fascinating delve into modern Western culture is a real treasure and eye-opener. Eldon's committed research has uncovered how we are bombarded and designed by external influence, which is usually self-serving of the influencer. It is up to us to discern wisely, which is difficult, because we are rarely without someone or something desperate to master our opinions. This book inspires, however, because at the crux of the matter is humanity in relationship with an empowering message of self-responsibility. Like all his work, website, talks, etc. Truly brilliant stuff. Well, oh, thank you, Gabriel. I really appreciate that. And Lynette wrote, I have been purchasing Intertalk Subliminals for 20 years. Since then, I left a bad marriage, obtained my bachelor's degree, and continued to obtain my Juris Doctorate. I am now an attorney and have had my own practice for 12 years. I believe that Intertalk has been largely responsible for that. I still listen to them every day. We both like those kinds of letters, don't we? We do. Okay, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but we do love your comments, so please keep them coming. You can opine by writing to me at Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N again, at Eldontaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor. We do sincerely appreciate your thoughts and feedback. Now to today's show, Modern Machiavelli. 13 Laws of Power, Persuasion, and Integrity with author Phil Eager. The author's copy states, quote, This is a book about how to swim with the sharks while living like a dolphin. It provides a unique mix of cunning and integrity, as if Machiavelli and Stephen Covey got together and wrote a book on the rules for living. Without being either pessimistic or cynical, the book deals with some hard truths about human nature that we ignore at our peril." Well, we'll get into those hard truths that we may ignore at our own peril today. But first, let me tell you a little about today's guest. Philip Eager has a bachelor's degree in political science and economics from Bucknell University and a master's degree in education from Pennsylvania State University. His career as a National Board Certified Counselor spans 25 plus years his professional experience includes clinical and exa- executive employment within mid-sized and large corporations in addition to considerable nonprofit work. He is currently a military family life counselor with Magellan Healthcare and director of the Inland Center for Strategic Integrity. Phillips' special areas of expertise include conflict management, effective leadership dynamics, and social media strategy development so on that let's get him in here welcome to provocative enlightenment mr. Philip Eager
2: well thank you Elden I'm so excited to be here <clears throat> it's uh it's uh, kind of almost a dream come true to be actually on this show with you I uh, I will do one quick uh, pronunciation of my name correction, because you said it the way most people say it, Phil Eager. And I am a very enthusiastic guy, but I was taught as a child that the last name, my name is pronounced Eager. That's so.
0: you know, and, and and I was sure of that. But I, I look, you were introduced in a YouTube uh, video that's out there as Eager. You know, I have met you. I'm not right, sure if right. you remember, but okay. So, I, no, it's not. But okay, I'll yeah, go along with that. Okay, all right. So it's Phil Eager. All right,
2: we like yeah, to know and, three and, things. And, and first off, I, also, I want to. I, Mentioned my my great colleague, Dr. Troy Bruner, who, without his uh, collaboration, this book would not be out there.
0: You're co-authors, correct? Yes,
2: exactly, yes. Okay.
0: We like to know three things on this show, Phil. Who is the messenger? What is the message? And, of course, how do we use it? So to that end, what led you to write the book?
2: Well, Dr. Bruner and I actually... uh, we were not necessarily friends. We are friends now, but we were a connection uh, in the field of, you know, counseling and psychology in Spokane. He was on a board of the directors of a company I was working with, and uh, actually interviewed me and uh, for a position as well. So he messaged me on LinkedIn, and he says, "You know, you're an East Coast guy. I'm a West Coast guy. Uh, would you be interested in working on a book?" And at that moment, I thought, well, I can either take action and say yes, which is what my gut told me. I often say, follow your gut. My gut said, yeah, that'd be fun. Did I have any experiences in being a published author? No. Did I like to write? Well, sometimes a little bit. Um, so I said, yeah, let's do it. So we met for coffee and uh, brain study for a good probably two years working on it. But uh, much to Troy's um, hard work, he had the template, Okay. But what made us a good team, I believe, is uh, like you said in your introduction about, you know, sometimes you don't have to really like people. Sometimes you can learn the most about yourself by other people. Now, Troy and I had good rapport, um, and that helped a lot that I did like him, that we got along well. But I also noticed that, you know, boy, we make an excellent team because he saw the world through his lens, and I saw the world through my lens, which sometimes were quite different. But I could kind of give him—he was very good at the theoretical. I could kind of give uh, stories. I I like stories. That's why I really enjoy listening for provocative enlightenment. Good stories. As we all know, good stories really help people focus.
0: They do. They stick.
2: So so we listened, and and then I said, okay, well, let's um, let's do this. So over a matter of long period of time, we pieced the 13 laws together, uh, 13 laws of power, persuasion, and integrity with the common theme being that we both noticed in our practice that clients we saw often had a common theme, um, which was what we sometimes call the victim mentality. I've been hurt by this other person, and I'm suffering uh, because of other people. And the common theme was that people were really victimized by, you know, other people that did selfish things that were hurtful. So then we thought, well, we need to really create a standard of how people can actually – read a book, get some valuable information so they can protect themselves, and at the same time, keep their integrity.
0: So whose idea was it to, you know, make it provocative? I mean, look, a quick perusal of your book by way of chapter titles and subtitles uh, could easily lead one to conclude that, as the title might suggest, the modern Machiavelli, is a bit of a sociopathic narcissist intent only on his or her own aims. I mean, it was Machiavelli who said, uh, what, it it is better to be feared than loved if you cannot be both. So indeed, Machiavellianism is widely used as a negative term to characterize, you know, unscrupulous politicians of the sort Machiavelli described most famously in The Prince, the book The Prince. So, Whose idea was it to tag this negative um, in, in incorporating, you know, a, a way for people to move positively through the world?
2: Excellent question, Eldon. And and where that title came from, interestingly enough, was the publisher, because... Um, Again, it's, it's difficult to get published today. So we got published. We didn't spend a dime. They liked our work so well that uh, Changemaker Books, which I'm very grateful to their uh, leadership and their ability to print this and do marketing for us, they fairly much insisted. Um, and I, I never really got a clear answer as to why, because both Troy and I, uh, our position was, well, no, our title is 13 Laws of Power, Persuasion, and Integrity. We don't want the modern Machiavelli for the very exact reason that you're saying. And so they wanted that, I think, moniker at the, at the front of it, probably because of marketing, I'm, I'm thinking, um, to get it out there. But the way I've rationalized it, too, is that actually the book, and it can be kind of confusing, because I believe our book basically gives people a treaty or standard or 13 laws to defend themselves against someone with a belly. A, uh, psychology is somebody who is who, who isn't selfish and who is someone who thinks only of their and they're cunning and they're manipulative and deceptive because really that's what our laws are about how do you protect yourself against someone who may not have your best interest at heart
0: all right. Well, I, w- I want to get into these subtitles because they are provocative in a minute. But you're in the spotlight, Phil. What are your thoughts on self-responsibility, especially in light of, you know, um, what you just said? I mean, defense is is the best defense and offense. Uh, uh, you know, am I out out on the limb, sawing the branch off when I say... The way to deal with these things is to take responsibility for them, or are we better off to walk away? What are your thoughts?
2: I think responsibility is the perfect word, and I like that uh, intro for today's uh, segment with me because, yeah, it is all about responsibility. It's about owning your actions. It's about, you know, I'm a big, big believer in that the world is a reflection, and I like your smile story, because you change that whole environment uh, in the post office in Las Vegas by bringing a smile. As we all know, you know, 60, 70 percent of communication is nonverbal. And so I really like the idea of it's a happy world and be happy. And that is great. But at the same time, uh, what we both noticed in our practice and doesn't take long, go out and listen to people on the subway or uh, on the train or wherever in the supermarket, wherever you overhear people at the Starbucks, wherever. There's a lot of unhappy people in our world today. And that's really? a reality. And when you hear their unhappy stories, usually it goes something like this. Work sucks because blah, 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 blah. The boss is a jerk. Um, my relationship sucks because he did, blah, 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 blah. They suck. Okay. Okay. True. There is pain. So then when you're in these conflictual uh, relationships, if you don't have uh, basically a strategy um, to help defend yourself and keep your integrity intact to do the right thing, um, you're going to be in trouble. A perfect example would be this. I, I love stories. So one of the things in my work environments where I got, you know, I was very vested, very hard worker, very, you know, there every day, working hard, extra overtime, very bringing much good things to it, you know, I kind of got cornered. And a lot of times when you get cornered, it's alone. There's no one else around, you know, and right. basically got threatened. Well, you know, you're not doing the job, and da da da, da and you're, you're going to lose the job, and and you know, you need to do more, and da da da, and I in in my in a nanosecond, I got this feeling of, you know, you can take this job and shove it. Meaning, I, I don't, you know, I, okay, I, I'd I be happy to leave right now. I'm not going to be overly codependent, needy of this job. I don't, I'll, I'll go paint houses. I don't care what I do, but I'm not going to work for somebody who's going to be bullying and bossing me around. So I had to, at that moment, say, you know what, it's okay to keep my integrity and Speak my truth, which is you don't need to patronize me, and I don't need this job. Well, when those words came out, boy, the sender on the other side, the the uh, you know, supervisor, boss, uh, whatever, that that basically melted them like you know this Wicked Witch of the West. Ah, you know. So, so I think <laughs> right. if you keep your integrity intact, that's critical.
0: Interesting. All right, your book has several, I think, important points. Um, and they take a different point of view from a lot of the traditional material that's out there. So, why do you think people want to believe in fantasy over what you term as harsh reality?
2: Well, it's it's easier. Um, you know, you're going to get uh, you're going to get a really nice bonus at the end of the year if you blah 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 conditional response stuff. Well, you know what, if, if we are conditioned to believe that, uh, you know, the Porsche is going to bring us happiness, well, we might even get the Porsche, you know. But what we might find out that is, if we don't follow our own laws of respect and self-respect and integrity, we may get the Porsche and be miserable.
0: Mm-hmm. Fact is, I think, Phil, uh, and you challenged me, of course, if you disagree, we live in a fantasy land. People want to hear what they want to hear. Uh, they want to be, you know, they want everything that they can possibly get. And the last thing they seem to be looking at is who they really are or what the meaning of life is really about. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We have a break. After break away, when we come back, we'll pick it up. We're speaking with Mr. Phil Ager about his work and book Modern Machiavelli. You can learn more about our guest by visiting his website at 13laws, now there's a hyphen in there, 13-laws.com. A lot of information on that website. Do take a look at it. Now we have a video for you in our chat room featuring our guests discussing the idea that conflict is inevitable and selectively advantageous. So if you're not in the chat room already, now's the time to get on over there, and you can do that, of course, by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Change has never been easier. Whether you wish to lose weight, stop smoking, build better relationships, become creative, enjoy ultra-prosperity, or simply relax and promote self-healing, InnerTalk has been repeatedly demonstrated effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies. Our customers love InnerTalk. Sean wrote, I have struggled with bulimia for over 30 years and have never been able to lose weight without restoring to it, until I used InnerTalk. Vicki wrote, My hubby has been using the Stop Snoring CD and already his dangerous and raucous snoring levels have stopped. Celeste wrote, I recently graduated from Taft Law School with honors. I'm writing to tell you how much your InnerTalk CD, Excel in Exams, has helped me. With over 300 titles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check it out today by going to InnerTalk.com.
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're chatting with Mr. Phil Eger about his work and book, Modern Machiavelli. It's an important read, good read, uh, enjoyable read. Uh, You can learn more about our guest by visiting his website at 13-laws.com. Now we ask our guests for their favorite music, music that has some true significance to them. As you know by now, music psychology is a new hobby of mine, and it has relevance, practical relevance, in many areas, including intelligence, creativity, personality, and social behavior. So, Phil, we just played some of Time, performed by Pink Floyd. Tell us, why is the music important to you, and how does it inform us about who you are?
2: Well, Pink Floyd has actually uh, been around since I think they formed in the late 60s, um, one of the better-known uh, groups from England.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: why they are so significant to me is, as a child, I had some very early, very traumatic things happen to me, uh, early life events. Uh, at age 12, I, I was in an ICU for about four days when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, um, which nearly cost me my life um i was in the icu uh out of out of conscious in dka coma for three four days and came out from that and i had kind of an otherworldly experience the near-death experience um and at that time you know one of my healing things that helped me get back on track uh, might not have been right after that but sometime after that was listening to music i've always been a huge fan of rock music um and English music, and that was in my parents' home as well. Um, so Pink Floyd is just always been a theme there. I don't listen to them all the time, but I can always, and just hearing you play that song meant a lot to me, um, because the lyrics in that song really talk about the importance of time. Um, and there's time in this world, and then there's time of historic time, since the beginning of time, until the end of time. So Time has always fascinated me, and that um, is one of their bigger, more well-known songs, I believe, because of the magic that that is expressed very well, both musically and written in that song. And, I, and I, I'll share two quick Pink Floyd weird experiences I've had in my life. One was I was um, in a, a general store on Division Street, Spokane, Busy Street. I went in. And the gal had a Pink Floyd button on her lapel or whatever, and I mentioned, oh, Pink Floyd, I love Pink Floyd, that's a great band. And She's like, oh, yeah, I love them too. Da, da, da. Get back in the car, turn on the radio, and what pops on but Pink Floyd? I'm like, wow, is that coincidence? Oh. One of my bigger sayings is that there's no such thing as coincidence. So that happened. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, so then recently, I think it was last summer or something, I'm, I'm in my, uh, oh, so back to 1994, the year our son was born. I'm in uh, Vancouver, Washington, with my wife, and she's nine months pregnant, and Pink Floyd was playing there, but, of course, they had sold out in ten minutes and no tickets available, but we're in this ticket area, and there's a ticket place. I said, oh, do you have any tickets for tonight? And, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, some were released. There's some really good tickets. Oh, like, Wendy, do you want to go? She's like, I'm nine months pregnant. I don't want to go to a concert. You know? <laughs> so I said, well, I want to go. Do you mind if I go? Okay, you can go. She hasn't let me forget that, by the way. <laughs> and so... um so then I go to see Pink Floyd live. So then again fast forward to this past summer I guess it was. I'm cleaning out the garage and and I'm going through this stuff and I found the Pink Floyd ticket from 1994. I'm like, "Man, there it is. That was such a great show." And and then what comes on the uh the the next song on the uh on the, on the radio or whatever was that that uh, song time. It was just like, so, "Boy, do you get goosebumps when some things like that happen." So That's cool. That's a cool story. All right.
0: Uh, You know, I happened this week to to read something that I then later posted on my Facebook page, a quote that I think is, you know, a little provocative. See what you think of this. Time is a great teacher. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it kills all its pupils. I don't know whether to laugh at that, be odd like. by that. How <laughs> to take that one? That's true. That's true. Okay, you uh, you've got several chapters in your book that, as I mentioned in the first half of our show, uh, have some rather provocative titles. In in one chapter, the one titled "Never Take Another Person's Burden as If It Were Your Own." I not I know you're not saying never help. What is it that you are saying?
2: Well, sometimes that you can actually harm yourself by caring too much. I I have, if anything, you know, I think my astrological chart charts or whatever say my heart is my biggest thing. I I have a huge heart. I'm overly caring, if there's such a thing. Um, and I think by doing that over the years. Um, you know when you're in the counseling business listening to people who have pain and suffering in their life and you're right in the midst of it, um, if you let that uh, penetrate your soul and your body you're you're not going to last in this profession or any profession very long. Um, you can care too much because uh, life to me is I'm, as I'm learning still learning for the rest of my life um, is about balance um, and if I want to be a good helper, I need to objectively hear what's going on, reflect back to the person, this is what I'm hearing you saying, reflective listening, how are, how, are, how are you feeling? And then nobody really wants advice unless it's advice that they're seeking. So I'm very skilled at this point in my career, wasn't always this way, at, at actually asking beforehand, you know, so I reflect so you were in a car accident. You saw your uh, significant other die, your child die, and you survived, okay? So this is traumatic stuff that people are living today, unfortunately. we read about right. it in the paper. So then to go into that pain space with them, okay? So I'm there and I care, but I can't help them if I'm going to traumatize myself as though I've been through a car accident, Okay that's not going to help them move forward. What I really need to do is assess how are they doing right now, be empathetic, feel their pain a little bit, but also ask what steps... Are you ready for some advice on some things that you could do to heal from this trauma? Well, obviously, if they came to the appointment, yes, they are, okay? But what i found in my practice is that when people sometimes they'll... And I'm sure you've seen this in your practice as well... People will sometimes come for the first two, three sessions. Well, then when you start getting into the work, because as we all know, it takes 21 days to change ingrained behaviors. But usually they'll make three, four, five. Well, now we're getting into the work. Oh, they didn't show up. Is it because they didn't like me? Eh, maybe, but more, like, more likely than not, they're, they're not ready to do the work because we're really getting into the heart of the, maybe their personal history. Um, it could be any number of things. But again, I, right. I really want to help people, but I don't want to harm myself by caring too much, if that makes
0: any sense. It does. You now, let's transfer that to Joe Blow. Yeah. You know, an average person out on the on the street is going to deal in situations that maybe they've got someone that they work with that goes through a tragedy or someone they work with. I mean, it, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be an automobile accident or death. It, it can be something like uh, a divorce, a separation, um, you know, a number of nasty experiences uh, that people can experience in those situations, translate it so that our listening audience knows, OK, this is how I should respond. Step one, step two, step three.
2: Well, step one is how are you doing? And and like I say, nine, ten or 60 percent of communication is nonverbal. So you don't want to be looking away from the person. You want to be making good normal eye contact, genuinely from your heart, feeling, how are you? I really care about you. What, what is go- Are you okay? And then listen, listen, listen. So they say, I guess I'm doing okay. Are you sure you're doing okay? You say you're doing okay. You look tired. Are you sure you're okay? I told you I'm okay. <laughs> you're sounding kind of angry. Are you, are you sure? Do you want to talk another time? Yeah, let's talk another time. Now's not good. Okay, so that's paraphrasing. Really important. Sure. Listen closely to what they say to you, and then go back to them. Number two is that if now's not a good time to talk, would you want to set up a time to talk at a, at a future time? Well, let me think about it. Well, that's an open door because right then they're not feeling threatened, they're not feeling cornered. You're going to get an email or a phone call saying, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you talking the other day, and I was kind of still upset about the divorce. Um, Could we maybe meet for coffee sometime? Yeah, that's great, because then you're meeting on their terms, not yours. Then you're meeting, and they're having some ownership of, wow, this person really does care. They actually are meeting me for coffee. So step one, par- uh, you know, paraphrasing, genuineness, uh, caring, and then second, letting them call the shots about when and where you meet. Open and then when, when you do meet, again, more authenticity, um, setting parameters. You know, hey, I've got uh, 50 minutes today. So they know ahead of time because otherwise you might be sitting there for three hours listening to somebody ball their eyes out. And, and that, although it may be helpful, I think it's important to set parameters because otherwise somebody can, can just take over your life basically. I need to talk again. Well, okay, well, time time is important, and I need to do self-preservation. And most most people's attention span and helpfulness is, you know, there's a reason counseling appointments are, you know, 60 minutes. And I don't think it's just because of insurance and billable hours either. <laughs> you know, I think it's because basically people's attention span, and that's why movies are two hours, you know, hour and 50 minutes. Your attention span wanes after a while. So I'd say stick to your guns about, time, and then con- being consistent, uh, being a consistent person who returns phone calls even when it's uncomfortable because one of the other chapters is about conflict um, and you want to avoid you know conflict that is destructive and you want to create a positive environment through positive feedback again the, the uh, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks many of your listeners may be aware of, uh, of his, her work, their, their work, Esther and Jerry Hicks Mm -hmm. fascinating work that is so valuable if you want to be a good helper.
0: Uh, You know, it's also, I think, again, important to to keep these um, interdictions not just limited in time, but as short as you can, and that's a reasonable time, because most people in these circumstances will cycle. You'll get them to come around to where there's a bit of a mood lift, but if you pursue beyond that, then they'll go right back down in the mud. Is that your experience exactly. as well? Exactly. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> you provocative headings. Subheading says exploit the weaknesses of the antagonistic person. Flesh that out for us.
2: Okay. Well, basically when when and again we're thinking of, of the um, in, in, in this situation we're really thinking of the imbalance of power okay so in any relationship there's a give and a take so if you are interacting and i think any any one of our listeners can think of this thinking of people you really in your life you've had conflict with and you didn't like okay they literally took advantage of you um were not helpful um Well, you kind of have to, you know, again, I'm a big sports fan, and you have to change your game a little bit. So how's that been working for you? You've been a nice, pleasing, caring person your whole life. And I also see a theme of people taking advantage of you, and you're unhappy afterwards. What strategies? And it takes a while to change. And it's not bad to be nice. I'm guilty of being overly nice. Um, But through this kind of work of what can we do, Uh, to set up a strategy so that if we're going into a relationship, what can we do to notice how others are treating us and then basically set up a, you know, kind of like my story earlier about being willing to have a boss say, you know, you're going to do all this and this and this and more than this and there's not going to be a pay raise and you're going to have to do that. Oh, really? Well, you know, you don't have to be patronizing to me and I don't need to take this job. Well, that turned the table right there, okay? Mm -hmm. So any one of us has probably had examples. And and think before you talk. Boy, and I am guilty of having whatever, run-of-the-mouth ADHD. I, (laughs) I really have to learn how to slow down, breathe, think, paraphrase, and also defend myself.
0: All right, let's jump to the next one. I love this uh, subtitle. <laughs> Give them what they want to their own peril. What do you have <laughs> in mind there?
2: Well, again, that does sound b- very Machiavellian.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, a bit. You can see why an editor looking yeah. at subtitles <laughs> sure. might say, hey, this, yeah, anyway, go on.
2: Right. So, so um, let's, let's say you have a... Uh, yeah i don't really like the peril of others so that's kinda of a little misleading maybe there but but anyhow if let's say an, an example would be this um you have uh I, again i love sports play sports uh, a lot of sports let's say you have a basketball coach and again this is kind of defining for me when i was playing a lot of basketball as a youth and competitive you know high school basketball and let's okay. say the coach is a real over over you know well us and if you don't make so many it was very competitive, very highly competitive. Well okay, well, all right. You think you're gonna work me that hard? Well, no, watch this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do even more and then so why the coach is, is walking out with his bag and he's tired? Why are you leaving so early, coach? Why <laughs> how come we only have a two hour practice tonight? Why but why not why not two and a half? All right? And <laughs> that might that might be my peril, but also might be the coach's peril. In that you know wait a second what what is this kid saying to me here? Maybe he's saying is he's proving himself to me i i I see what you're doing to us. you're working us to to the tenth degree, but guess what I've got more re- in my reserve, so sometimes the tough tough has to be shown that you're tougher, and you also can can use the extreme to being being very kind, but sometimes kindness does not. Win in the battle of uh, when there's sociopathic, narcissistic, Machiavellian people out there. Sometimes you got to give them a, a dose of their own medicine.
0: Okay, uh, that probably explains another one of your subtitles: "Quote: Seldom make known your intentions or plans." Close quote.
2: Yeah, you know, sometimes people talk too much. Sometimes it's uh, you can have your keep your integrity. By a, a vision of the greater good. So if my greater good is not making money, but my greater good is to basically help somebody who is disadvantaged or some of the positive things in our world, which is as we you don't have to look around too, too far, there's a lot of people with a lot of need in our world today. Okay, so if you keep the, keep the greater good out there as, as your end game, Sometimes um, you might not want to express that, especially if you have sales quota. Well, we need you to sell X number of blah, blah, blah pharmaceuticals by the end of the quarter, and you're way behind. Oh, okay, well, blah, 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 I'll I'll do better, okay? Because that's what the boss wants to hear. I'll sell Mm -hmm. more. Well, really, maybe your main gain for selling more isn't necessarily to make more money for the lexus maybe it is that you make more money so that you can help more people maybe if i get a bigger check i can then make a bigger donation to a cause that i really care about a greater good
0: gotcha you have 13 laws in the book and we haven't discussed directly any of the laws i suppose in a sense i don't really want to give them away because i'd like everybody to go get your book it's a valuable tutorial piece today i think for everyone but of the 13 laws phil do you have a favorite
2: yeah actually i I think i do and i and and you know you can't do one without the other but you know because they all go together but um trying to find the one that I, I really see as important, which is law number eight. What is given away freely is seldom valued. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorites.
0: What is given away freely is seldom valued. Right. Um, and, of course, you flesh these laws out in detail in the book. It is a great read. Do this, Phil. We're getting short on time now. I'd like you to take a minute, tell everybody how they can learn more about you, where you might be speaking, events, websites, blogs, and, of course, where they can get your book.
2: Well, thank you very much, Eldon, for the time today, and thank you, audience, for listening, and I really appreciate this time. Um, Yeah, like you have mentioned a couple times, uh, you go to uh, www.13, and then a hyphen or slash between it, and then laws.com. And then on there, uh, we have videos and things that you can watch and also places to purchase the book at, at you know, we have, of course, on amazon.com. Um, they, they put us through to target.com, walmart.com, Changemakers Books is the name of the uh, publisher. It's www.changemakers.com. Uh, books.com, and they are a publisher out of England.
0: And how about yourself? You uh, have your own website, Phil?
2: No, I haven't done that yet. I, I'm so busy, I have yet to delve into it, but, but but I'm learning from you. <laughs> I really want to follow in your footsteps. You're, you are a great leader and an inspiration,
0: Elvin. Uh, you're ahead of me, but thank you very much, Phil. Again, the book, Modern Machiavelli, 13 Laws of Power, persuasion, and integrity. It is a powerful read, a fun read. I think you kind of gathered that from the show today. But most importantly, I I think this is something we all should be, you know, well aware of and governing our lives by. All right, we've come to the end. Well, thank you, Phil. I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show and sharing with us today. We've come to the end of another hour of uh, Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you out there for joining us. I hope you'll join us again next week, same time, same place. Until then, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at eldentaylor.com.